Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, I want to welcome you to the show. We have the one and only one of the greatest actresses of all time, Anne oh. H. Well, Anne H, how are you doing tonight? That flattering. <laughs> how was your you. Halloween? Very sweet. Have you have you seen any of my movies? You're so young. Of course. I appreciate, I appreciate that you're a fan of your age. Mm -hmm. Psycho. I know what you did last summer. Volcano. I know a few of your films. Chicago PD. You played the oh, commander oh, on there for where, a where are you right now? I'm from Connecticut. Oh, you are? Is that yeah. where you is that where you're doing your show from? Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, that's where I'm doing my show from. <laughs> All right. Cool. How was your Halloween? Well, we, I mean, I was wish, oh, I have to show, I have to tell you, I had such a blast. You know, I get paid to dress up and go into characters. So usually on Halloween, um, I don't do anything. The last time I dressed up was when my son was, Homer, who's now 19, was six years old, and came home from school one day and he goes, Mom, do you know Han Solo? And I was because his friends had told him. But it was so funny that he called it Han Solo. So I came back from Vancouver where I was working with Princess Leia costume, you know, a Han Solo costume that they made for. But last night was the next night. That was, this has been a long time um, because my friend who is a costume designer got a huge job and I wanted to celebrate her. And the reason my eyes are not on you is because I think a picture will say the entire story. <laughs> whoa, whoa. A, a picture says a thousand words. Well, it does. And then I feel like you could describe to your audience better. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Heather, can you bring over can you just a picture so it's bigger so we can see? Anyway, so what ended up happening was I made reservations. There's a, a downtown, I live in downtown LA, mm -hmm. which is kind of an undiscovered uh, world. Um, but booming now. And there's a place called Cicada. It is a swing club. And so they have, a, for Halloween, they had a live 20 piece swing band. And it's in one of the oldest um, buildings downtown, beautiful architecture. And everybody has to dress up to go there. It's kind of the fun of it and to dance. But last night for mm -hmm. Halloween, People went absolutely bananas. The dancers were dressed deep. There were girls walking around with coconuts and bananas around their hips. It was absolutely stunning. So I'll show you a picture of what my crew ended up looking like because <laughs> we all dressed up. I went very flappery. Can you see it? Yes, I can. Is there is there actual like? Did you post this on Instagram or any sort of your social media platforms where people could check this out or listening if they oh, are not watching now? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you'll see a couple of videos. It was so over the top. So this, and we'll send. We'll put the pictures up. My friend, who is the costume designer, made this dress for me. Wow. And that headdress. It, I mean, it was just such a celebration and have you ever seen a headdress like this folks who are listening my friend used to be a showgirl in new york and she put a feather extraordinary crown on her head that weighed like 50 pounds by the end of the night for school she's like well i suffer for beauty i i'm a showgirl anyway it was super fun we danced our hearts out so that was good yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that you had a great time though on Halloween because it seems though not too many celebrate anymore. Um, except in downtown LA, I, I tell you, what's amazing about the culture down here is that there are 
a lot of young artists, um, designers. It's just, it's it's a little bit gritty, which I love, uh, but everybody's kind of supports each other in trying to get to the next place. So it's a fun atmosphere to be in. It's kind of funny because you brought up Harrison Ford before. This was the first person that you saw on the big screen because Star Wars was the first thing that you saw. Yes. Yeah. When I met him, I, I mean, I read the script and I was like, oh, I can play this with my eyes closed. Like, who's the guy? Harrison Ford. I was like, no, fuck, I, am, I ain't going to get that. And they said, well, who knows? You're meeting him on Tuesday morning. I was so inelegant, blurted out, oh my God, I can't wait. But I, you're Harrison Ford. I saw him. I was the first person. You were the first person on screen. <laughs> then he turned to Ivan Reitman and said, well, she's more interesting than most. So, <laughs> but I think I made him giggle and then he, you know, has rescued me. He's a, he's a very, very wonderful man. Yes, you're able to work with him six days, seven nights, as people remember that film. Yeah, that was, that was, Harrison Ford made a, a life-changing decision for me because I had taken uh, the woman that I was seeing for four days to my volcano premiere. And at the time, people were either gay or straight, and uh, gay was uh, apparently not legal because they ushered us out of the theater and into a limo and home before we could get pictures taken of uh, us together. And it shows you how different the uh, times <laughs> were yeah. then. But I got fired the next day um, and was told that I wasn't going to do the movie with Harrison. And Harrison stood up for me and, and uh, said, I don't care who you're, I don't care who you're sleeping with, let's make a movie. And really stood up for trying to remind people of that it's about talent. It's, it's not about sexuality. And it, it didn't really, you know, he took a big stand and I wouldn't have the voice, you know, that I do if I hadn't had the opportunity to have that success. I'm surprised that there were other actors that stuck up for you. Were there Tommy Lee Jones didn't stick up for you? That's what's so, it was, it was a really, uh, it was a really kind of shocking experience to, be simply what I found simply standing up for everyone's right to love whoever they want, regardless of their gender. It seemed like a really simple thing, uh, you know, to encourage people to be who they are, but it wasn't. And there was a real like shunning. It was so odd. Uh, I made it the study of my life. Like, why would you want to shut out, first of all, 50% of the population? But it wasn't that, I had never been with a woman. I just didn't understand why there was such resistance to, to the notion that we have freedom. <laughs> and that's been uh, kind of the last 20 years of my study trying to figure out how we can you know, open the door to remembering that we are, <laughs> we are stronger together. United we stand, you know, and we're, in a culture that's doing divided, we fall. And I, and, and I think it's time to make that switch. Mm -hmm. You actually were able to get the opportunity to speak on Washington when all this was going on too. The March on Washington yeah. was the biggest March on Washington then. And I stuck my foot right in my mouth. The last time you want to say to people, you have the right to choose to love is a million person plus March for people who are saying we want to be treated equal because we were born this way. And I didn't, I didn't understand what I wanted to do was support them, of course, but in the context, it felt like I was denying what they were speaking of, what Ellen was standing for, but we, we truly didn't stand for different things. Yeah. 
it's so it's just ridiculous just hearing the stories that that you would just get cut off there from your 10 million dollar picture deal that's insane and the whole blacklisting thing that happens i'm curious because now we're in the age of cancel culture what is your take on this whole cancel culture that's going on right now because if you think about it you were canceled for the wrong reasons well well my my podcast partner uh, better together with dan and heather likes to say i was patient zero i was the first <laughs> i was the first cancel and uh, i i officially uncanceled myself last month and i realized oh we can just say that like you can't cancel me twice right it's kind of giving me some freedom now it's gonna be hard but people do i you know i say things that do not uh always agree uh with the with the whole but i always figure we get a 50 50 shot and that's enough all we need to do is offer something i don't i don't live in judgments or try to change others i just can offer the opportunity for more freedom and and growth for ourselves and others yeah the cancel culture is insane and it's I, I can't, I just still can't believe that you, you went through what you went through, but the 29th dancing with the star season that you were on, you came out about Cancel. your story. That's what I said. People are still doing it to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> canceled, like confusion canceled. Like what the frig, what was Sarah? Who, who, who should we pick? Oh yeah. And she just told her story about being canceled. Like throw her off the show. It's funny how people respond to people who, have uh, you know challenged something in a thought, uh, and the, what I find is that those who haven't wanted to take on that questioning for themselves, like why would you do it? I, I feel like the biggest mistake or the biggest thing that was missed at that time was that nobody asked me why I was doing it. Just a simple question would have been great, but <laughs> this the overwhelming shut that out is is often the experiences with those that we reflect something that we don't agree with and uh i'm happy to be a a, a, a person who continues to be hopefully a, a a beacon that that at least has my stake in the ground of what i believe and in, in giving giving that opportunity for people to come and talk to heather and me in a way that's honest and truthful and fun so that we can have perspective on our stories and be in a healed life. Mm -hmm. I think that you were courageous in doing what you did because it was such the not popular thing to do at the time. And I think you opened up the path for others to feel comfortable in coming out and doing what you did. And, and, and that, that, that's a big, that's a big step forward. And and just hearing your story for people out there that want to come out and feel comfortable doing it. I, it is my, I, I'm so grateful for that and appreciative. It is the, it is the greatest badge of honor I have to part, have participated in something that um, helped create change. And, you know, we can't skip steps. And looking at the step that I took really helped me form what I wanted the next step to be. Well, what does it mean, love, gender-free? Well, I believe in complete freedom. I believe that we should yeah. all be able to be exactly who we are. And that seems so like so simple but the funny thing is it's not because we're born into a place that creates conflict for us some more than others and until we take hold of that as a as our as our strength and our story and tell the truth about it and move on from it we can't really get into our first into ourselves into first name like i am this call me call me by my name i have this ownership and i think telling your story truthfully is what empowers that next step to happen where you really can 
choose to say goodbye. It's done. I'm not going to look at it anymore. I told every friend and grandmother or whoever I need to so that I can move on. But coming out was what I said on March of Washington, which is funny, because I was like, I'm, I've never been with a woman. You talk about foot one in the mouth. I've never been with a woman, which was like they were like, nobody understood that at the time. Again, it was gay or straight. Well, I didn't even understand it, but it just didn't make any sense to me that it shouldn't matter. But the next thing I said was, you know, being straight, I encourage you like to come out. The reason why people aren't understanding is partly because we're afraid or shame in our culture. And, and, but the thing that I wasn't understanding is very hard as I'm, of course, to find the trust enough. And that's really where we were at that time in the late 90s and of course coming off the 80s and AIDS and there was so much judgment and fear and and it, it, it touches me that that your generation uh, uh, sees uh, what that is because it wasn't really recognized then and I realized that you know we can't uh, we can't always predict God's timing but in a way I feel like this moment is really incredible for me because whether or not your generation understands me as an actress isn't the point what I want is for people to come into an understanding where there's a person who's been through some hell around making a choice for love and is here to support it and and encourage it and I love that you feel that that's been a part of your uh, upbringing. How old are you? Can I ask? Can I ask yeah, you? I'm 22. <laughs> oh my goodness sakes. Oh my goodness sakes. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's really who you are. You, you know, I'm 52 years old, but because sometimes the age, the, the age that I am and having come through it is offering me a new opportunity to speak with kids who are really making the choice to love and it needs encouragement because the road of it doesn't look necessarily as gratifying financially all the things that we the carrot dangled in front of us to not tell the truth about ourselves yeah. are about and it, that it's a challenge and it deserves recognition and support so that you know I, I'm really I really think that your generation has a a real opportunity to join together and flip this awful hatred upside down. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it's sooner than later. <laughs> Me too. Uh, your Emmy, how to fill the win this Emmy for another world. Oh my God. I was in Nebraska uh, shooting a movie with Jessica Lang. I was in a motel six eating a cheeseburger and I, some, my name got announced and something came up and I'm like, said Anne's shooting a movie it was so surreal and I, I eat my cheeseburger like um I I had a lot of naivete about what the business was about or what my I didn't even I was going to go to design school I, I didn't have a quite a grasp of my talent I had been raised in a very abusive family so my understanding was so so limited but I did pick up the phone and call my agent and say does this mean I have to be an actress <laughs> so luckily I mean for me I won that Emmy because I would have gone to Parsons School of Design if that didn't happen 
those are when angels intervene and uh, make you stay on the path that's right for you. Johnny Brasco, it's one of the greatest mob movies of all time. How was your experience of working with Johnny Depp and the great Al Pacino? You know, I had screen tested with Al uh, four years before that for a movie. Uh, oh gosh, what was it called? Oh, uh, anyway, the movie he didn't, he falls in love with the stripper, like as if, but um, we had to go and screen test in New York and in, they wanted us to take stripping lessons from this dancer. I'm like, what? No. So I went to a strip bar and and auditioned. I was like, if I'm going to be good, I might as well figure it out myself, which they didn't understand at all. My choices are usually different than most actors. And I don't often do what I'm told very well. So I danced, I did the dance. Because I said, why would I come to rehearsal and have everybody understand that completely kills the surprise when I come out on stage? And sure enough, you know, you know, he's sitting in the booth and I do the dance and then he's supposed to come up afterwards <laughs> and like compliment me. Oh you know, God, silly me getting to a conversation. Anyway, after we did the audition, Pacino met me in the hallway and he said, you are, are never going to get hired for this movie. You are way too young and I won't do that. But give yourself four years to grow into your maturity as an actress because you're you are acting the age that is so much further along than you and and we need to come to it as if as a, as hollywood needs to be weak because you're hard to figure out four years later they cast me in dino basketball which was so magical he said four years and i was like how how do people know that? Now I kind of know why he had that perspective because I understand it with, you know, younger actors, but also he was very complimentary and supportive of me so that when, you never know, again, timing, but there it was where you say I got to, I didn't even get to do a scene with him, but um, but his, his support was incredible and Johnny Depp was amazing and adorable but he was going out with Kate Moss he didn't give me a glance really except when I came into the makeup trailer and he holds out his fingers he's like don't ever get tattoos it's another hour in the trailer uh, <laughs> but um what I love about working with Johnny is how I mean he just go boom just straight on in as deep as he can go and his committed as he can get and he doesn't fool around and and that couple didn't have a lot of scenes but the ones that we had created you believed that we were married and and was suffering and and that's not an easy thing to do when you you know you have four days to shoot a scene where you're going to get slapped and all that but it takes a lot of trust to do that he's he's he just you know the greatest and he's dreaming too when was the first time that you saw Alfred Hitchcock Psycho? Because I, I want to know the story because this would probably help you prepare for your role as Marion Crane in the remake. Well, I don't, um, I, this was a, okay. So Gus Van Sant directed this. He wanted it to be, it was his college thesis and he wanted to do a shot for shot remake of Psycho with one shot change. And it was the shot with Marion in, in the tub after she dies and Hitchcock, didn't have the correct equipment to be able to go from her eye out the window. So Gus, like that's the one thing he's gonna do it for Hitchcock, right? But what it took was me like literally doing eye training because 
Gus is like, you're gonna have to do like five more seconds. It was just so funny. I would be on the set like eye training. Um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't watch a lot of movies except <laughs> Star Wars was my first, but I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of movies. So I was like, what's Psycho? You know, I didn't know a lot. <laughs> I was called a wild animal set free from her cage. From I heard my agent saying to somebody behind closed doors. Uh, so I watched it the night before and I went in to meet Gus and I was like, holy cow, this movie is cool. Who, I mean, it's amazing that you're doing really, who is this guy? What He's like, who's Alfred Hitchcock? Yeah. Like, are you kidding? You had never seen it. So we just, sometimes, sometimes not knowing things has intrigued people with me because I'm so committed to things, but not necessarily in the way that comes from an understanding or perspective or history or anything else. And I think that freshness when I first came to LA, like really, really helped because I didn't follow the rules and I'd been on a soap opera for four years. I had a lot of, uh, I was very comfortable in front of the camera and trying things because I played twins. So that platform really allowed me to enter Hollywood in, uh, in a way that most people can't do because who does four, 500 episodes of television before they arrive? I mean, so uh, it benefited uh, me to do that. It was amazing, Vince Vaughn and, uh, I, it was our second movie together and I just think he's just so tremendous and you know how it was just really fun to get into a body of someone else so we did the body language exactly the same but changed the personalities and that was a challenge like Vince and I would walk on the same foot that they did when they were walking down the stage just really it's always fun to have a little game on set <laughs> That's legendary. And it was so slammed. Yeah. And it's funny. And, you, and it, well, you hear this about a lot of movies. It takes a couple generations to get it. People were so offended. How could you do it? And I'm like, look at Broadway. They do plays with 900 different Like, why can't you redo a movie? It's just, again, like a mindset that doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, about 20 years later, catch yourself. <laughs> It develops that following and it finally gets the praise. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, 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 the one he did with uh, Uma Thurman? No, what I haven't. Oh, God. He's just such an incredible filmmaker. Are you a filmmaker? Me? No, I'm just a radio host. <laughs> Don't ever say just. That's really a rocking thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Oh, radio host. I started yeah. out in I started out in college. I built my way up here and and have my own independent platform now. <laughs> I mean, really, that is just that's so extraordinary. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Where do you want to go? What do you want to do with it? Me, I'm just staying independent until a spot opens up at one of these big stations, and eventually, I'm considering. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's possible i'm thinking about that but right now because things are so tough with the radio industry uh, i'm looking into going into film school i'm thinking about it wow what about what what fun that would be i i give i i like the way you see things i i think you'd really like not that i ever went to college i don't know but people seem to like film school i fly by the seat of my pants 
<laughs> but, but learning other things in the other directions is always a good thing. More knowledge, more knowledge and more tools you have on your belt. That's right. And you're actually a scream queen because if you think about it, you're in psycho and now you, you get the chance to be in, I know what you did last summer. How was that experience? That was forever because your ago. character was praised. It was it's so funny. That was the producers uh, of uh, Volcano. And I got a call one day. He said, Ann, I need you to do me a favor. What? I need you to get on a plane and come down here and be a red herring in this movie. It's only like two days, but I would need you to scare the shit out of these two girls. And I just know that you'll, you'll just flip them out, right? And so I read the character and I was like, great, get me a cleaver and give me a rag to wear as a dress with an apron. And I, I wouldn't talk, you know, I wouldn't talk to the girls. I would just, I would either walk away from them or stare them down because, because I knew it would be so scary that they couldn't help but come in when they called action and be even more scared of me. And it was just, it's fun to mess with people. And then afterwards, I, you know, give them a hug and say, I don't mean to hurt them. <laughs> I want to get into one of my favorite roles of yours, which is Commander Brennan on Chicago PD. How was Thank that, you, especially friend. filming out in Chicago? Because that's pretty cold out there working with Jason Begay. You've had him on your podcast, too. Oh, he's a terrific friend of mine. I, I really enjoy him. We, we did a TV show uh, together when we were in a very different uh, place in our acting careers, and he played... I, again, the name is he played my paraplegic husband in a TV show where the doctor was coming on to me and because he was a paraplegic and couldn't speak it was that somehow justified that my character could flirt it was so awful and and Jason wasn't treated very well you need to get on set you don't have any lines or whatever and then you're sitting in a wheelchair and then having to listen to a story it was just awful uh so of course i just made, started making fun of him and cracking jokes and making him feel welcome not that i was the lead of the show but people have a way of treating people on set that's so disrespectful well funny enough cut to years later <laughs> i called Jason like i know that there are whatever would say there's a pool of five 15-ish actors and four whatever 42 i'm 42 um when I got the part I was so excited and of course I hadn't seen the show and then I realized it was Jason and I was like wow that when you make people feel good especially in the midst of a really like shitty kind of experience but we all gotta work it just kindness pays kindness pays in ways that nobody could well like you don't kindness is free you don't give it because you know you hope to get something back but boy do you giggle when it comes back your way and unfortunately your character didn't survive the until the next season i did not like how they they turned on her i thought she was a really unique uh woman you know you know in the middle you know you don't know if she's good or bad but however i determined her to be she, they do that on shows when they have to get rid of <laughs> the season actress, right? Yeah. Um, but to 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 flip her into a murderer that bugs me about shows. I think that's why I don't get through many seasons because the second people do something that just isn't couldn't be true, 
to a character. It feels lazy to me and I get pissed off. <laughs> and that was a real bummer for me because I, I thought I had created a, a woman that you don't have to, it, it wasn't about liking her. It was about the values that she held and position she was in that had her make very difficult decisions. And that's a different woman. I felt like they they cheated the spirit of the woman who was the real one by by diminishing her, uh, especially at the time in Chicago, when, I mean, the most violence was going on the year I was there. And there are only four women in the country who have held the position that my character was playing. And one of them is in Chicago. And listening to her try to manage a city in absolute horrific terror in, uh, and violence. And then, and I was so proud to represent her. I hung out with her and her, uh, and her team. And I felt like I really wanted to respect them and they did it all the way to the, all the way to the end and made me a murderer of the mayor. Like, like what? Anyway, that's what you can do on TV. Yeah, you killed off Kelton. And if you're going to go out that way, you got to kill the right character at least. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. uh, no, but you recently did The Vanish. You actually have an upcoming film, 13 Minutes, which is out now in theaters about a tornado. Yes, it came out. I mean, if you, it's, it's fun to have a theatrical release. It's great. It brings the attention to it. It's a terrific, you know, disaster film. Gives you all the bells and whistles of that, but really grounds it in uh, some real human uh, conflict and stories, which I thought was really surprising because at the end of it, you're actually thinking about how, what's going to happen next to the people, how are they going to heal? Not what we're used to doing, which is going, well, how, I mean, how do we put their, you know, the pieces back together, how do we rescue them? But we forget they're human beings who are confronting something and that they have to go on with all the destruction. Uh, so I, I thought that was uh, an interesting, of course, my son in the movie comes out to me right before the tornado hits. And my reaction to it is, is uh, something that I, uh, felt was really uh, important to continue to look at um, because unfortunately we still have to tell stories that um, that show uh, rejection of our children for wanting to be who they are. And I felt like after Volcano 20 years ago and this one that it was a super uh, compelling challenge, uh, <laughs> but one that Lindsay Gosling, the director, and I thought was, um, I was the only one who could do it because uh, that to me is the one story. If there's one thing I would like to get rid of, it is the behavior we have around children who are doing something that we don't want them to do because of our belief system or whatever it is, judgment, whatever. But they're, you're, you're our evolving, amazing beings. And the fact that we forget that is our responsibility to ask you what's going to happen next and how we can help you do it is phenomenal to me. I, I want to stop that dumbing down too. Mm -hmm. We got to get into your podcast better together with Ann and Heather. What, what oh. made you? <laughs> uh, can I have my podcast partner come say hi? Yes, that's that's fine. You can. <laughs> than I am and, and funnier sometimes. Get over here. 
and she's wearing she's wearing a, a good luck hat today she is wearing sometimes i say the word god too much so but people laugh at me but even, but hi hey, heather uh, welcome so now, to the show <laughs> what i, I welcome to the show hello heather how are you going oh, there how are you, you doing? go this is i'm sorry i was trying to make some room for you but i just want to say she's wearing a good luck hat and i so now i replace god with kiki which is her grandfather and she's wearing kiki's hat today as a as, a, as good luck to us so yeah this is, this is us so, doing and doing my research for the podcast you wanted to bring on people to tell their stories and just be themselves you know when did this idea start to establish for you guys when you got booted from dancing with the stars early oh, 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 oh that's funny. we had time on our hands um that we weren't expecting and so we'd had this idea to kind of create this community through a podcast we call the people that listen to us our tribe and we just really talk about people's stories and your struggles. And I mean, and- getting to the other side of the, the darkness you've been in and sharing so that we have the empowerment to overcome from hearing, you know, how people share and we have a good time too. We have but, a good time. But, uh, you, you know, that's really- the, We always uh, say that we want people to either learn something, uh, have fun while they're listening, or the thing about, you know, podcasts and radio too is that you're not passive. You don't have to sit there and do nothing. Like when you're yeah. watching television, you can get shit stuff done. Can I curse? Yeah, you can yes, you can. <laughs> and so, so, you know, clean your kitchen, exercise, do something. You do it's like to talk about you building a community that. that can help other, but whatever it is, we've got an entire universe that can take care of everybody. So defining what you're good at and, and offering it is, is a key to, you know, helping our neighbors and, and paying a little bit more attention to the needs that are going on around and, 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 and engaging in them for fun because it's and, fun to help people. If you're an Anne fan, it's a lot of fun because we, we are way, way, way too honest. You can hear, oh yeah. if you listen to our episode when we're in fashion week, you know, we talk about how we drank too much and, and, and how we, yeah, we get, we, we get down and dirty the next day and how I walk into Anne's room and, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. You know, like, I mean, we, we, we don't hold anything back. You, we have no, uh, no filter, which sometimes isn't good. So for, for people who want to know Anne's real life, listen to the podcast, you'll find out. Well, yeah, I'm, we, well, we want people to feel comfortable in the truth. Right, which is why we're so, so that's why we're so like we might even push it for that reason too. Because we, listen, we've all got to feel good about others, and it, it's nice to have that encouragement. Yes, and that's what we do. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'll let you guys close oh. down. <laughs> uh, who, who's someone uh, that? Go, who's someone that you think that you could bring onto your show that would totally open up and be themselves, and instead of what you usually see them on TV being? Well, I mean, today we had on Sandra Bernhardt. Mm-hmm. who is one of the most unique and wonderful and ballsy comedians uh, that I, everybody work in her, the way so, she incorporates so many different things. She's a performance artist, she's a singer, and, and she really goes right into the depth uh, of truth with her comedy. And uh, so she was on today and we're really, it's not that we want, it's not about uh, celebrity necessarily, although we're a new podcast, barely new. So we, you know, Alec Baldwin is the one who launched us and he is one of the dearest uh, friends of, of mine, but uh, we work together and, but we do, you know, it's fun to have on celebrities, but it's also our goal to have 
people tell their stories of human human population and offering uh, the gifts that they have uh, to bring hopefully a younger generation but but you know we, that's going to take some time to get and that's why i'm so appreciative of your of your uh, opening up uh, to me because um i think i think it'll help and we, yeah. I, you're you're the you're the folks i want to talk to <laughs> to go become presidents and and within in artists and whatever you uh you want to be i'm like a mother hen yes walk <laughs> Oh, but you had your time on Sirius XM radio back in 2017. Oh, Jason Ellis. And uh, well, I really love Loveline. The, the Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew show. Mm -hmm. I loved what they were doing. Again, talking to an audience, a younger audience, truthfully about what they had without shame. So Jason and I kind of come from the same background, mm -hmm. but he makes me look tame. So I was like, oh, also nobody can do that. So we did a little show called Love and Hate, but then he got moved to a daily show in the morning. So that partnership, uh, you know, of course he was going on to do something bigger and better, but it was fun. It I mean, that was part of my training for, you know, the podcast. He's, but uh, he has, he's, he's inspired me to go further. <laughs> That's great. And I'm glad he that was you on our podcast. That's that's a fun one. He and Katie came on and challenged Heather and me <laughs> to do a, a, a cricket oh, tube, like a cricket race, or you could blow the cricket into the other person's mouth. Heather cheated, but we started and it went into my mouth. And it was so, so hilarious. But we said, well, we were silly too. It's fun to remember the life's a game. And, a puzzle and a riddle and sometimes it's difficult but there are helpful tips that you can get if you, you the only people i want to take advice from are people who i would like to you know be or emulate in some way if i don't like what their life is then why would i listen to them you know so i hope i'm a person who uh shows what honesty how how life and you engage when your path is toward love and truth that's right. It, we, you can check out the podcast on all platforms, especially YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe. And I want to know, what's your favorite type of role to portray? Is it a thriller, horror, drama? What's your favorite type that you love portraying? I, 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 the fun of my job is that I dive in so deep I think I can now, all I want to do is comedy. All I want to do is comedy. And then I do comedy uh, Give me the drama. Give me a drama. Give me the Broadway, and that's the pleasure of being able to do different mediums and explore different mediums. And I also train myself so that I can do all those mediums. The acting isn't just a close up on the screen; it's a challenge to your life, how you want to live, how you want to feel, how you want to express story. So your container is is that's your tool. That's all you've got. So I encourage people to remember that you don't have to wait for the phone and want to get your ass up and go and train yourself to do something else, challenge yourself, but you know, buy a skateboard, like whatever it is, you never know what that challenge to yourself is going, how it's going to benefit you. Uh, you know, they've been dancing with the stars. I, I work and train for any character. And, uh, you know, luckily it wasn't like, you know, what you dancing with the stars? What I, huh? Well, yeah, I got to lose 30 pounds and go on red bull and cigarette diet. 
you know, like, and that's an, it's an important uh, thing that a lot of uh, schools, I don't think, uh, teach as, as, a, as, a, as, as part of the practice of being a performer. Mm-hmm. Oscars, what is your take on the Oscars? Because you, you hear about- I don't know why it. I don't have one. Oh, <laughs> can you see my, can you see? Can you yeah, see I can. <laughs> and my friend gave that to me. Wow. Uh, I, after I was, you know, the funny thing was the year that I was blacklisted was the year that there are, there are technical awards that people don't get to watch. Right? So, but they always apparently pick the it girl, which I didn't know that I was to host them, but I am a tech geek. I love it. I know I, they, I it just, I love my crews. So when they asked me to host it, I, I was just out of my mind. I was so excited. I had so much fun. And so the one Oscar that goes out, the presenter, the, the one, you know, the, it, the actress, me, goes out and gets to present the one tech award on the Oscars. And I walked out on stage. It was in the middle of the Ellen debacle. Everybody, it was just so, it was just so amazing how many people cared about what these two women were doing without me being involved. Like, what is it your business would, anybody wants to do to make themselves feel better just but there was so much uh backlash so walking out on that stage was like you know and i'm giving the award for sound and i go up to the mic and it doesn't work and i'm like so then people start fall flying and going and going over there and of course it's live I'm like, well, so, and, I'm, and I'm fast enough on my feet to really see technical. This is why we need sound, what, whatever. But it was, it was just not the moment that I, that you just, something had to go right and it didn't. Yeah. And I saw Renee Zellweger backstage and she was nominated for the movie that I turned down because I didn't think it was truthful. Cause I didn't think, I didn't think that the, uh, Tom Cruise's character <laughs> really fell in love with her and she was acting like she was loved. I was like, it's a lie. It doesn't make any sense. My agent called me, did, did you just walk into your screen test and tell the director that you don't believe in the movie? And I said, no, I told him that I didn't believe that it was a true love story. <laughs> He's like, well, you didn't get it. And so of course, of all the people, that I see backstage, right? It's Renee Zellweger and she's nervous. And I'm like, what are you nervous about? <laughs> I just, the funny things how life confronts you with the absolute last thing that you want right before you walk on stage. You, yes. You know, like the, but I could never do that. I, I can't, it's very, I cannot play a character that I don't think is true or that I haven't figured out. No matter who they are or what they what they do, it, it, I have to agree with the director with what we're going for. And if it's not true, I, I won't be able to play it. I think that's why people appreciate my acting. I don't judge my characters and I, and I go for it when, you know, good, bad, or ugly. Like I played Dahmer's mom, for God's sake. Oh, that, that was another f- crazy performance that you had. <laughs> right? That's what my mother looked like. That was the deceit I wanted to, in fact, it was the end of me drawing from the darkness from my life. It would actually put something to rest for me because I, I had the opportunity to show what it looks like for a mother to uh, be on the outside. It's one thing that people accept and on the inside, something completely different 
that destroys a family. And I said, you know, thing is, I'm going to play the mother that, that shows how much responsibility a mother can have in, in destroying a child. And it, it doesn't mean she caused, you know, he still had his behaviors and whatever, but I do not believe that we bear fruit to psychos just yeah. for no reason. And I, I wanted to, uh, uh, you know, show what it might like to make a different choice, you know, but I had to get dark and, you know, yeah, my mother was a lot dark. Yes. I've heard about the, your life story and it's just uh, amazing to see what you built your career up to be. And, and it's such inspiration to see that you can still make it out of that and do great things and monumental things. What is, what is something that you're most proud of? A cult in Ohio can become a girl who stands up for a community and speaks about love and has a platform to do it while being a movie star and an artist. You can do anything. Yeah, that's right. What is your most proudest achievement as far as one of your roles in film goes? Which one do you look back on that you love the most? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm proudest of the work, the, I'm proudest of the opportunity that I was given after I was blacklisted by companies like Lifetime and Hallmark because they saved, you know, they saved my, my life. And I had to make a choice then what my life was about. You know, I could have made a lot of different decisions, but I chose to go. There wasn't a, there wasn't any understanding what you do when you get fired. For, I mean, Heather always goes, I'm the most famous lesbian who's not a lesbian. It, it, nobody wanted to hear that conversation. Nobody asked me. To, like, it just, just they threw me out. And deciding to do the movies uh, and knowing that my commitment would be the same to a, a small movie role or big movie role did that that was a fantastic thing to understand and commit to that uh that they could bring me that much that much joy and it needed to and i needed to decide to commit to that rather than be but uh, you know, uh, in, 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 in yuck about what was happening to me. It's, you know, uh, because it could have dragged me down. And, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still standing. Yes, that's right. And, and continue to stand. And it, it's great to see because if, if this was is still happening to actresses today or even actors that come out. Well, it's never going to happen to you. It's never going to happen again. Yeah. We have some, uh, yeah, we laid some groundwork for the, for the, the support of that. But that's the, that, that, of course, is the thing I'm most proud of that I, that, 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 that I don't know. Sometimes you get the courage to do something you don't know that you're having to pull from all the different places in your soul but it um it's it feels good to be able to be that person in the world right now yes that's right and is there anything else that you have coming up that you're working on upcoming films anything upcoming shows for your podcast as well that you would like to announce that you can oh i mean well, well 13 minutes is coming out that's i right. encourage people to watch the vanish it's one of my most complicated roles i think it's still on netflix and I, um, I've, I've done a couple of movies that are going to, but there's another big, but the Supercell is the name of my next big movie. And it's going to be even more disastrous. <laughs> it's going to be in the vein of like, it's a very uh, Spielberg uh, uh, in like the E.T. world, uh, old school. Um, and, and it's been, I've been lucky to continue working for so long. 
<laughs> Congratulations on all your accolades and achievements, and I appreciate it. Let let all the listeners know right now where they can follow you on Instagram and Twitter and all your social oh, platforms. You can find me on Ann Hage. Better to get it, you can go to annhage.com. Um, I even have some TikToks there too. But, uh, it's fun to get a, a younger group of people to get some eyes on what it is to live in truth. And I appreciate if you come on and it give uh, give yourself a chance to be encouraged to live your life as fully and as boldly as you possibly can. That's right. And I want to thank you for coming on the show here today. It was an honor speaking with you. You're always welcome. Anytime you want to promote any upcoming movies, any upcoming podcast that you may have that you want to get out there even more. Thank you. We've got Sandra, Sandra Bernhardt next week and then Adam Carolla on the week after that. And we've got Jason Tardic on who does a, a, a one, well, one for the money talks to us about why he does a podcast called uh, Trading Secrets. Come, comes on and t- tells us some secrets and guides us toward not having any shame around money. So it's a fun place to listen. And I, uh, I just cannot thank you enough for um, asking me to be on the show. You're a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day, okay? Thank you. You too, my friend. Until next time.